getting honest feedback is essential to continue to delight and engage our customers. But it's not just about gathering data, it's about asking the right questions. Let's grab a coffee and talk about this some more. Welcome to episode 213 of the award-winning Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I'd just like to say thank you for downloading or streaming the show. You know, I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. This week, however, it's just me and the mic. And I want to talk about getting customer feedback because customer feedback is so important. It allows us to grow our businesses. It allows us to continue to delight and engage our customers. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about something that delighted and engaged me. Something amazing happened in the last couple of weeks. I found out that I'd been nominated as Podcast of the Year for the Content Marketing Academy Awards 2019. Now, it's a great honour just to be nominated for an award like that. And I tuned in to a Facebook Live that CMA creator Chris Marr was broadcasting on Facebook to announce the finalists. Now, there was a whole plethora of people who'd been nominated for Podcast of the Year, and I'm sitting there sort of half watching, half playing with my iPhone, and on the Facebook Live, Chris Marr announced that I was a finalist, that the Marketing and Finance Podcast was a finalist in the CMA Awards 2019, one of four finalists. So my mind starts racing. Could I possibly win this award? Of course not. Of course not. The Marketing and Finance podcast is pretty niche. Yes, it's about marketing, which has universal appeal across the world, but the podcast started as a niche podcast focused on people working within the financial services industry in the United Kingdom. Now, I have broadened the subject matter out quite a lot over the last four years, but it did start, and it still is, quite a niche podcast. So I'm starting to talk myself out of the possibility of winning this award. But I knew I would have to go along to the award ceremony. And unlike most of the award ceremonies I go to, where I have to travel all the way down to London, the CMA Awards 2019 was actually in Edinburgh. So obviously I had no excuse not to attend the event. One problem, however... On a Friday night, and the awards were going to take place on a Friday night, I teach a body combat class at Portobello Sports Centre. And that class takes place from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And the awards were starting at 7 o'clock. So, of course, I know loads of other body combat instructors, and I thought, well, it'll be easy to get the class covered. I can zip myself along to the awards, and we'll see how it goes. Well, I tried everybody and nobody was available to cover this class. And I have an obligation to teach it. I'm contracted to teach this class, and I couldn't find anybody to cover it. And I'm really grateful for my instructor friends who really try to juggle their own schedules to try and come and help me. But in the end, I had to go and teach the class. So 
Off I go, Portobello Sports Centre, teach the body combat class, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock on the Friday night of the CMA Awards 2019. And as soon as the class finish, have a quick shower, jump into my um, civvies and get into the car and try to get into Edinburgh as quickly as I can. Fortunately, the traffic was okay. Managed to make it and I was there about quarter to eight. So the award ceremony had started. I was trying to follow it on my phone because they were broadcasting it live on Facebook, but the signal wasn't too good and it, it kept disappearing. So I walked through the door pretty much as they were starting to announce the award for Podcast of the Year. And this is what happened. Podcast of the Year Award. For a podcast to work, it absolutely needs to be consistent. There's like no other content form that really does like needs consistency to have real traction and to work. So I don't know, how, how many podcasts do you need to do? How consistent do you need to be? About 210 episodes of a podcast maybe? How does that sound? Every week for years, right? You've heard the case studies about other people that have done this before. Hundreds of podcasts over a period of time. The dedication to their industry, this person specifically, a dedication to his industry every single week, appearing, creating content over years. It's incredible, an incredible dedication to his industry, to his craft, to him. Like when we were creating content as well, we're figuring a lot of stuff out, right? We're doing the interviews, we're uh, trying to figure out where we add value. This person's managed to just continue on that path. And a lot of people struggle with this. This separates good podcasts, great podcasts, from everything else. To turn up every single week and stay committed to that. And it's commendable. But looking at the categories, looking at the finalists, there's just there was there was a separation between the three and the one the one. And the winner is Roger Edwards. So wow. The marketing and finance podcast podcast of the year at the CMA Awards 2019. I am so pleased. I am so proud. I never thought that this would happen to a niche podcast like this. I am so grateful to everybody who's contributed to the show over the last four years. All of my guests, some of whom have been on the show three or four times. In fact, Paul Avis, my friend from down south in Bristol, has been on the show at least five times. It's probably six times, isn't it, Paul? You'll correct me if I'm wrong. I want to thank everybody who's been on the show. I want to thank everybody who's listened to the show and everybody who's taken the time to give me feedback, which I've been able to use to build and steer the direction of the show. Thank you, everybody, again. And on the subject of feedback, let's have a look at how you can use feedback to grow your business and continue to delight and engage your customers. If you're a long-term listener to the show, you'll know that my high-level definition of marketing is that it's a deep, almost obsessive understanding of your customer. And the only way you can get that deep, almost obsessive understanding of your customer is to do research. And before you dive into any of the communication tactics like advertising, video, podcasts, promotions. You've got to come up with an offer. You've got to research your customers. You've got to know who your customers are. You've got to have a look at what their problem is. You've got to come up with a solution to that problem that's better and different to everybody else's. And then you've got to launch it 
and you've got to communicate it. And you can only get that right by doing research. And that means talking to your customers. Now, you can talk to them face to face. You can do research using surveys. You could run focus groups if you've got a big enough budget. You can use social media to get great feedback. But you can't build a product or a service without talking to your customers. And in fact, I think you should be doing research at all phases of the marketing process. So you're going to want to research what people think of the product before you launch it. You're then going to want to ask them what they think of your communications. Maybe do some A-B testing on the brochures or the website or the material that supports the product. You're going to want to research the service that surrounds the product. What do they like? What don't they like? And then once you've launched it, once you've communicated it, and once the business is starting to flood in and your business starts to grow, you're going to want to continually get feedback from your customers so you can refine your offer, you can refine your product, you can refine your service, and hopefully improve it over time and maybe add extra elements, of course, without ever getting too complicated. And it's that ongoing feedback, that ongoing research that I want to talk about today. Now, I'm sure that in the last month or so, you've either taken a flight, taken a train journey, stayed in a hotel, eaten in a restaurant. I'm pretty sure that whichever of those you've experienced within a couple of hours, maybe even a couple of minutes of you getting off that flight, getting off that train, walking out of that hotel, walking out of that restaurant, you'll have got an email in your inbox which says something like, we want your feedback. Please fill in this survey about your flight, about your train journey, about your stay in our hotel, about your meal in our restaurant. And this is great. This is absolutely great. It shows that companies want to learn from their customers' feedback and strive to be better, strive to offer better service, strive to offer better products. But I sometimes wonder whether all of these companies doing research in this manner are missing an obvious trick. Think about the surveys that you get in your inbox when you walked off that plane, when you've walked off that train. It's usually something, let, let's take the example of a flight. So I fly with EasyJet and British Airways quite often, and I can guarantee there'll be a survey in my inbox pretty much as soon as I've walked off the air jetty. And the survey will go something like this. We would like you to rate the booking process from 1 to 10, where 1 is totally and utterly incompetent shambles, and 10 is stratospherically exciting and amazing and fantastic. And then there'll be another question, similarly worded. Please rate the check-in process, again, 1 to 10. Please rate the boarding process, 1 to 10. Please rate the onboard product. The onboard products is the seat and uh, the legroom and that sort of thing, 1 to 10. Please rate the onboard food and drink, 1 to 10. You get the idea. And, it, and it's usually the same with trains. It's usually the same with hotels, you know, hotel. What's the check-in process like? 1 to 10. Was the room clean? 1 to 10. Was the room comfy? 1 to 10. It's always quantitative questions that you get asked in these surveys. And that's fine because you're going to get great data from your customers because obviously if everybody's rating you on a 1 out of 10 then you've got a serious problem with your check-in process or your booking process and you're going to want to go away and sort it out if you're getting a 10 and do we ever award 10 in a survey like this 
I find myself very rarely going above seven or eight, if I'm perfectly honest. But imagine you're getting eight, nine, ten. You're going to be pretty happy that your service, that your product is delivering on its promise to the customer. So you're going to think, we don't really need to change anything. And the other beauty of a survey like that is it's really quick to fill in. Now, I know our inboxes are absolutely chock-a-block full of stuff these days. We're all busy. We've all got lots of things on. And to be perfectly honest, we haven't really got time to spend on surveys like this. So a few quick questions. Rate the booking process 1 to 10. Rate the boarding process 1 to 10. It's easy. We can do it in a couple of minutes, if that. And that's giving the company great data. But the problem is quantitative research on its own is only going to give you a snapshot of the situation at this moment in time. What you're not going to get from a survey like this is how the customer feels. How do they feel about the booking process? Did it annoy them? Did it make them want to tear their hair out? I mean, there are booking processes out there that do make you want to tear your hair out. How did they feel about the onboard product? You know, the seat pitch might be okay, but it might have been so bolt upright that if you've got a bad back, it might have been pretty uncomfortable. So they may have been happy with the seat pitch, but they might not have been happy with the general comfort of the seat. And if we're only asking questions which allow answers out of one to 10, we're not actually digging down and finding out exactly what the customer feels. So what's missing from a lot of these surveys, and, and in fairness, some of these companies do offer this, but what's missing from some of these surveys is more free-form boxes where we invite our customers to just tell us how they feel, to write in their own words how they feel about our products and services. So asking a question like, how did you feel about your experience with our airline, or with our train, or with our hotel, or with our restaurant. Describe how it made you feel, in your own words. How do you feel we could improve? Now, most people are quite emotional. Most people have got lots of feelings. And if we invite them to pour those opinions and pour those feelings out onto the screen or onto paper, it's very likely that they'll take the time to give us that feedback that goes beyond the quantitative one to 10 answers. And it's the answers to these feeling questions. It's the answers to these questions that evoke emotions where the real insights will lie. The data-based questions, the, the raters 1 to 10 questions, are great, but they give us data, which means that we can monitor what we already have. The real feeling and emotional questions give us the insights to spot opportunities to improve our products and services, to innovate, to change, to delight the customers. But we've really got to get into how they feel. So, by all means, do the raters 1 to 10 questions, but also do the deeper, more emotional, more feeling questions, because that's where we're going to get the insights that might allow us to spot a way that we could improve our products, we could improve our services to become better and different to our competitors. And if we can create products that are better and different to our competitors, that's where we get the advantage. That's how we can grow our businesses. That's how we can stand out.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that little canter through gathering feedback from customers. Let me know what you think. Do you fill in surveys like that? Is it much easier just to have a series of questions where you rate them one to ten? Would you take the time or do you take the time to answer the more in-depth, the more feeling questions where the real insights lie? I'd love to know what you think. Please hit me up at rogeredwards.co.uk or find me on Twitter at Roger underscore Edwards. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast, the award-winning Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, thank you so much for everybody again who nominated me, who's been involved in the show. And thanks to Chris Marr for the CMA Awards 2019. Thanks for listening and I shall catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.